Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Pentecost season this Monday, July the 18th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from Genesis chapter 35. Pastor Lakomsky and I were speaking before the program here this morning, and one of the joys is we can assume that we know Genesis. I know it from beginning to end. I've read it a hundred times. Every time I did a reading plan, I got at least through Genesis, and then by the time I Leviticus, I stopped. I got Genesis down at least. But then I have been humbled by that. Pastor John has been humbled by that because we still have more to learn. So there's more to learn this morning, and ultimately we see it through those Christ goggles. So open up your Bibles for the gifts are ready ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back regular guest Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Pastor Lekomsky, happy Pentecost and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. It's good to be talking with you, the president of the Northern Minnesota <laughs> District. Congratulations on that too, Brady. You're going yeah. into a whole new part of your uh, vocation as, as one of God's chosen servants. And we're all excited for you in that, that new position as well. Well, moving forward by God's grace. So Pastor, tell us about what's going on for you and your family. Well, I'm still just the retired pastor in Northfield, Minnesota. <laughs> I don't have any new titles or anything like that. And we've just been having a really good time up here. I, I don't want to rub it in with my family and friends who are still down in the St. Louis area, but as they've been struggling with 100 degree weather, it's been in the 70s and 80s here, as you well know. <laughs> so, no, we're all doing real fine, Brady. All doing, uh, uh, in fact, uh, in just a few months, we're going to be celebrating my wife's 70th birthday. So uh, we've Very been doing good. some things in preparation for that, having pictures of the family taken up here. Uh, so that was what she wanted for her birthday. So we did that a week ago. And yeah, anyway, things are going real well at, at this point. So uh, thank you for asking. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, it is, a, it is a joy to be here this time of year. As I mentioned last week, we were still at the National Youth Gathering where it was I think we went running when it was 85 <laughs> degrees in the morning, but then I think by the end of the day, it felt like 110, which is just, and it, Houston is actually humid. I mean, it's not like, a, um, it's not like what we think of dry heat. I don't know what that means most of the time, but dry heat, but it, it definitely was humid and hot from beginning to end. So yeah, it is nice to be back in the 70, 75 degree weather in the morning. And, and, and here's two things. Number one, if you check your temperatures, you find it was actually warmer <laughs> in St. Louis than it was in Houston while you were there. Uh, and number two, I did appreciate the fact you said at this time of the year, it's nice to be in Minnesota because I know what's coming. <laughs> October, we're out of here yeah. before the snow and yeah. the sub-zero weather, not just below freezing, but sub-zero weather. That's yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. So it, it is what it is. Yes, it, it is, is what it is. Yeah. Well, Pastor, how about this? Let's, let's dig into this. Like you said, we're learning something new every single time we open the scriptures as we see Christ. And so I'm excited today. And so can you begin our time in prayer? Oh, Lord, help us to hear this, not just as a, a story about a Bible person, but to hear it as a story about a fellow believer, uh, that we can see that 
the details of his life are different than ours, of course, but but the pattern, uh, the way he acts, the way you treat him, the way you deal with him, uh, these are all the same patterns that we're experiencing in our day-to-day life. So, so let this scripture be open to us that we can see what it has to say to what we're going to be doing this very day and in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. As we're looking at Genesis 35, let's start this way, is uh, everything's in a context. So uh, before we dig in, Pastor, what do you have for uh, um, for us to chew on before we begin each verse? Well, so, so that was what's exciting. So I'm glad that the Lord brought this text back to me. Uh, I, I did a whole series on Genesis years ago, uh, and I was so relieved I got copious notes, because sometimes you send me texts I've never done before, and then they have to actually work, <laughs> you know, but I thought, I'm set, I've got these notes, but but as I was thinking about it, I, I realized something I, I had never thought of before, and I, I'll throw this out to you, Brady, because maybe I'm off base here, but I wonder if chapter 35 isn't kind of a turning point for Jacob. Mm. And, and here's what I mean. You, you can go back to Genesis 28, and, and it says Jacob made a vow saying, if, if, get that, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you gave me, I will give a tenth to you. So he made this promise and a vow, and it was my wife, Lynn, who actually pointed out, there's kind of a, I don't know, do you want to say doubt? I'm not, if, he said, if these things happen, then I will come back and worship you here at Bethel. This is Bethel now, the original, the first Bethel, that the house of mm-hmm. God. So if these things happen, I will come back and, and, and worship you here. Well, but from there on, I don't know that he's re- he's a believer, but I don't know if he's totally living in faith. Uh, you know, God had made him a promise that he would have a, more children than the uh, stars in the sky. In fact, mm-hmm. God made a promise to you and me, too. He said that through the children of Jacob, the, the offspring, the child of Jacob, rather, we'd all be blessed, too. All nations, we'd be blessed. But but you don't really see him living that faith out, do you? I mean, you've just been doing these stories He's he's got a conniving father-in-law, but rather than just trusting, that's okay. God will take care of me. No, he has to kind of connive too, doesn't he? Which he's really good at. <laughs> he's really good at being a Absolutely. conniver. And, and rather than simply believing that God will give him a whole lot of children, because that's what God said, he then decides, well, you know, maybe I will make babies not only with my wives, but also with their maids as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, like Adam, he could say, well, you know, actually, it was their idea, right? It was Eve's idea. She gave me the fruit. They offered me their maids. I didn't really want to do that myself. Well, whatever. <laughs> and then I thought what was really interesting is after God does fulfill the promise, and now he is a prosperous man, and he has many, many children, in the final part of the promise, that is to be able to return to the Father's house in peace, that has been given him, right? You had that, that reconciliation with him and Esau. I'm now at peace with my brother again. But he doesn't go back to Bethel. He goes, where was it? It's in here somewhere. (laughs) Where does he go and he buys some property and sets up his living? Uh, Well, let's look back here. That was in chapter 33. Yeah. 
uh, buy some land. It was at the end, they erected an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. Yeah, yeah, and Shechem. Uh, Shechem. Shechem, okay, mm-hmm. all right. There you go, yep. Um, and then, by the way, things go horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> That's the understanding. Yeah, well, yeah, and you had, did you, you had that last time, right? The, the yep. whole business about dying, getting raped, and his sons decide to seek revenge, and they... They, they they slaughter all these people and now of course this is how you you close the text with him saying well now everybody hates me here in the land of Shechem I don't know what I'm gonna do mm-hmm. and and then begins the story we have today uh, and now he's gonna go back to Bethel which he probably should have gone back to Bethel a lot sooner than this because God had kept right. His word and kept His promises but anyway I, I that's that's where I'm going I think this is a turning right. point I think. I think Jacob's believed in God. I haven't doubted that. He he built the 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 altars and did all that, but it was all still like we do. Uh, I still kind of kind of take care of myself, right? I know God takes care of me, but you know, He takes care of those who take care of themselves. Isn't that isn't that what the mm-hmm. Bible teaches, mm-hmm. Brady? Uh, uh, well, I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to study that one a little more. But my first reaction is yeah. no. Yes, I, I think so. I don't know where it went. Yes, faith. That's how we live. The righteous live by faith. Well, anyway, right. so I never thought about that before. That. This is this is really where Jacob finally begins to do what he said he was going to do all along. And it's only with the help and the guidance and the discipline of the Lord that this all mm-hmm. takes place. So in the end, I think Jacob would say, well, it's not like I made a big decision to start doing what's right, but it, suddenly it just was what I did, thanks to God. It, it, it is interesting, and I love how you're pointing this out is that this is probably the turning point because we continue to see Jacob and we kind of see it as, okay, this is the turning point. This is the Oh, time. yeah. You yeah. know, he, he saw the ladder. Um, he slept on the stone. We don't know why he slept on the stone, but he called it Bethel. Okay, that's the time. Oh, okay. Uh, Esau reconciled with him. Okay, now we're good. Oh, he, he, built, a, he built a place. He, he's, he's grounding himself. He's settling down as an adult. He bought land. He's going to stay there. This is all going to work out great, you know, but I think you're right that this is a very definite turning point for him. And that reminds us too. guess what? There's a lot of points where we think, oh, okay, this is the one. And like, oh man, sin comes and, and brokenness comes and reality hits. And therefore we always need that grace of God. And that's what Jacob needs as well. Boy, and Brady, man, you hit it right on the head about always needing the grace of God. The danger is when we think we've arrived, when we've got it all accomplished and done. Uh, And then, unfortunately, the Lord has to say, okay, well, let's see how it goes then. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, you take care of it by your own. I'm busy up here in heaven anyway. Uh, (laughs) And and then, of course, just what you said, oh, no, no, there's never a moment where we don't need his grace and his forgiveness and his mercy. Uh, but but you really see him grasp that in the things he does, particularly in the first verses of this text. So I'm ready to go well, whenever you are. All right. I'm going to ask you because I know I need to. How many verses do you want to go into? Uh, verses 1 through 4? Verse 4. Yeah, verses All right. Here we four. go. Genesis 35. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version. We hear the word of God. God said to Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to the, to the God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods that they had. 
and the rings that were in their ears, Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree that was near Shechem. What do you got for us? Well, so so I think it's neat because, see, if, if we were writing the story, we would have Jacob be the source of the turnaround, right? Is, mm-hmm. You go to a movie, the, the key character finally realizes, oh, I need to be different. I need to do something differently. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I need to return to Bethel. <laughs> Uh, but no, it's God who says, you know, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob, maybe you, you know, remember what you said to me back in Genesis 28, maybe it's time. Huh? You think maybe you should go back to Bethel. And and don't you kind of see that that word of God evokes a little repentance in the heart of Jacob? Do you think mm-hmm, the, the fact mm-hmm. that he now says, well, you know, guys, maybe all these foreign gods <laughs> that we've been keeping with us, maybe we need to get rid of them. <laughs> And maybe we need to kind of purify ourselves first. Uh, and, and to me, this is this is the heart of Lutheranism. It's what we do every time we come to church. We kind of come to church mm-hmm. and say, well, you know, God, actually, we had some of these false gods we were trusting in, you know, ourselves or money or power or, or just being good people, whatever it was. And now we realize we need to get rid of all those, those uh, foreign gods. Uh, those idols, because really, you're the only God we got. You're the only one who answers me the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So I just, I think this is such a wonderful, but it's striking to think that after all this time, they still had their idols. Isn't that crazy, Brady? I would have thought, mm-hmm. but you you mentioned it, when, when God came to him already back there with the, the vision of angels rising and, and ascending and descending, you think he would have got rid of all the idols then? But apparently they didn't. It, it brings me back to Laban. You know, Laban. Oh. You know, he gets all upset that they, they, they. Oh, where are my idols? Yeah, Did you guys take my idols. Where those go? <laughs> <laughs> and so, just you know, like this clearly is not helpful. So why are we so worried about it? In the same reality here that we keep just. Well, they, they, you know, I think it was Luther who said, you know, the the heart is an idol factory, mm. and therefore that's what we want. We want more of those because, well, God might not give me what I need. And that's, it's their problem. Guess what? It's our problem as well. Oh, man. And see, you hit it. That God won't give us what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. See, now, you, now you've pricked my mind because I'm preaching on the whole Mary and Martha thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's the gospel this Sunday. And, and the fact that she would say to Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> that's a, mm-hmm. that's the thing that goes, you said, what to Jesus? Don't you care? But of course, it's what we say all the time because we're thinking, man, I'm not getting everything I want. Things aren't working out the way I think they should. And right away. And it's what we are. We're sinners. We do. We doubt him. Don't you care? And so let's get an idol or two in here because we don't. But wasn't that a beautiful answer for Jacob? He's the one who answers me in the day of my distress. And he's been with me wherever I've gone. I may Mm. have not realized that. I may not have thought about it. But but yeah, yeah, this is the truth. So we don't we don't need the. And don't you love what he does with the idols? Uh, the the uh, English says he hid them, uh, but the Hebrew word actually means that he buried them. He, mm, he put mm-hmm. them down in the dirt, and that's where your idols belong. Just bury them somewhere uh, because they're not going to do you any good. I, I wondered if maybe he had kept them because I'm sure these idols were probably made out of gold or silver or something. Otherwise, why would Laban care? You know, if, if they, they right. went off with a couple of pieces of wood. But I imagine they were very, very valuable. But I thought that was really impressive that Jacob and, and my wife also had a neat thought too. You know, it takes work to bury stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, man, mm-hmm. Brady, we, mm-hmm. we were trying to plant flowers this morning and and uh, the ground is really hard here in Minnesota. You didn't tell me how, because I thought, oh, I'll just get my shovel out and I'll dig her a couple of nice holes to plant. Man, that did not work that way. <laughs> but see, yeah. So, so yeah, no- he, he realizes, yeah, it's going to take a little work, a little labor. We, we just got to get these idols where no one else is going to stumble over them either. Okay. That's true too. Yeah. You know, we don't pass the idols on to somebody else. That's one tendency I think we might have too is that we're like, oh, okay, it's no longer my idol. Therefore, I just give it to that guy. And then he has it as his idol. No, no, no fault, no problems here. To bury it actually means that old bury the hatchet type of oh, mentality yeah. that yeah. that's work. And guess what? I, I almost would, would rather have other people using it than, than nobody using it. Oh, it's just the emotions and the feelings go all over the place. And here he is. Um, <laughs> he, God has to intervene again. Okay. Go there. Get rid of that. Yep. It's time for a new start. Yep. And that's what God gives him. So and, any and, other thoughts? And I just think it's impressive that he doesn't melt them down and try to get some value out of it that way. It's, I don't that's need true. him anymore. I've got, I've got the one God. And here's one final thought, because it occurred to me that, that if, if you're still worshiping all these idols, then what happens at the very beginning story where he wrestles with God and, and prevails, that's really not that big a deal, is it? If there's a whole bunch of little family gods out there, little regional gods, well, uh, I guess it's kind of impressive that you you had a draw. <laughs> you know, you wrestled him to a draw. But if it's the almighty God, the creator of the universe, the only one God, the true God that you have wrestled and have, uh, you know, uh, at least got a draw, <laughs> uh, um, mm-hmm. that is impressive then. That is something that might uh, be considered important. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, yeah, I, I think we've there's a change here, and it's indicated by the fact that he's finally getting rid of his idols. Uh, and whether he worshipped the idols or he just tolerated them because it's what his wives and his servants wanted, I don't know. But he realizes now, now we, we can't tolerate this anymore. Uh, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, even before that commandment mm. has been spoken. Yeah. And that's where we're always growing in faith. I'm noticing that too in Genesis is that, um, the, that, that the, the, the life of the faithful is, 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 is a growth process. And I, and I always have to be careful with that this is not, you know, our salvation yeah. is not no, a no, no. growth process, but our faith is continually growing. And, and it's something where I, I thought about a lot about this as I went to the, to the youth gathering was, you know, when I was in high school, I went twice to these gatherings and, and I definitely took away solid things. But also, like the way I understood it then, was was much more simplistic and a lot less detailed, and and maybe you know misled at times for my own self, and 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 that's something where yeah, I was not at the same point. But guess what? I was eighteen. I was fifteen years old. <laughs> I mean, you're you're kind of an idiot in many ways, in so many ways at that stage of life. So watch out, daughters. Watch out for your daughters because uh, us guys are not doing too well at that stage. But. Anyways, it's really something that you're always growing, and we see it in the patriarchs. I mean, just think about that—that that, that these are these are real people in real time, and they're going through life just like you and I. That we got our idols, and you know what idols do I have to bury? You know what idols do you have to bury? You are listeners. What idols do you have to bury? And and that can be very difficult. And so we see a good example of God intervening, and we pray the same for us. And and see, that's the cool thing. Well, two cool things. One that you just said that this is the pattern of our life. We, we're going through this even now, even as you and I are speaking. As you begin your new vocation as district president, a lot of this growth in faith is, is going to be going on. But but the really wonderful thing is, 
it's God who's the instrument in all this, right? Jacob's made some some false starts, gone in some wrong directions. Does God say, well, that's it. I just give up on you, Jacob. I mean, how many times do I have to come down and wrestle you? But he doesn't. He just says, all right, Jacob, come on. Remember what you said at Bethel. Maybe we better get back to Bethel. And that's how God handles it. He takes care of us. Uh, you, you know, you talked about this growth. I, I was actually uh, called, ordained through all my seminary. And, and I think for me, one of the biggest changes that happened is actually when I was doing my, my postgraduate work. I was already in mm -hmm. my parishes. And I, I went to this one course where Richard Klon was the professor. And, and, mm -hmm. and he said, he said, faith means we don't have to do anything to be saved. Now, mm -hmm. now, you know that, don't you? Mm -hmm. but, yeah, well, it's in the Bible. It's yeah, good. Yeah, but see, yeah. I'd never really thought, because I said to him, I said, you know what? If I preach that, no one will come to church next week. <laughs> right, right. And then everything is, but by God, that's true. And if people are just been coming to church because they thought that's what they needed to do so that God would like them or maybe things would go well for them, well, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. terrible. So there you go. And, and and I'd already gone through all four years of seminary and was a called pastor. And, and this fundamental basic thing, I had not really, well, I understood it. I, well, no, I didn't understand it. I knew it, but I hadn't fully grasped it. So yeah, uh, it's, it's exciting. The Lord is just constantly leading us to grow stronger and stronger in our trust in him. Yeah. Let's keep moving forward on that note. Yeah. Uh, we got to verse four. Uh, yeah, uh, five through eight as well as my plan was. That what sounds thoughts? good to me. That sounds All right, here good we go. to me. And as they journeyed, a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around them, so that they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. And Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And there he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled his brother. And Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under an oak below Bethel. So he called its name Elon Bakuth. So the, the journey continues. What happens on this journey? So so here's the thing. Uh, it's interesting. The, the, the initiative for the journey is not something good that happened, right? Because the good thing that happened, he'd been reconciled with Esau. That was one of the promises God had made to him. He would be able to have peace in his father's house. But he doesn't go back to Bethel. It takes the problems. It takes the, the, the rape of Dinah, the, 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 the violence of his sons to finally move him. See, that's the sad thing. I, I, I think God would just shower us with blessings if that would make us trust in him. But it doesn't. Isn't that crazy? You think mm. the fact that God takes care of all of our problems would make us trust in him, but it doesn't. In fact, we still go looking for those idols, as you, you mentioned earlier. Um, but now now God's working. God's bringing him back to Bethel. And, and, and my wife, Lynn, made an important point. Maybe, maybe Jacob's thinking, okay, all right, yeah, if I start doing what I'm supposed to be doing, if I go back to Bethel, which I promised I would do, I vowed I would do, now may everything will work out all right. Mm, and, and, mm -hmm. and things are working pretty good because a terror from God fell upon the cities that were around him. So, so the very people that he was so frightened of, right? He said, oh, my goodness, these people are going to, this will be the end of me now. Well, no, there's no problem with these people. God's taking care of that. But then someone who must have been very, very precious to the family, Deborah, his, his mom's nurse, she dies. 
And, and as we move on, we're going to see things aren't really still working out perfectly, are they, Brady? Things are still <laughs> going wrong. And I think it's important for us to understand that just because we, we have faith in God doesn't mean all of a sudden the world changes. Doesn't mean all of a sudden everything goes hunky-dory. Uh, and certainly one thing I can guarantee you, it certainly doesn't mean that people aren't going to die uh, because the wages of sin is death and all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, and uh, Jesus Christ said, take up your cross and follow me. So as we're talking about the pattern, I think people need to understand this is the pattern. We all need to go to Bethel. We all need to go to the house of God. But you can't go there because you think, oh, that'll make everything good for me. Because, no, it's an evil world. Uh, the devil's still a lion who seeks to whom he may devour. And we're still stuck in sinful flesh, which is why, by the way, everybody, even precious nurses like Deborah, die. Isn't that Deborah thing crazy, Brady? Because I, yeah. I, I thought, oh, what, did I miss something about Deborah? But no, I, no, this is, I don't know where she's just mentioned. Um, but I think that's kind of cool. There's all kinds uh -huh. of people out there that nobody really knows, but God still loves them, and they're all going to go uh -huh. to heaven, and they will have a blessed death, you know. So it's not just the people that are people are really well known and popular. No, God, God cares for the the Debras out there too. So I thought that was cool as well. It is amazing because you don't you don't hear that name, you know. Definitely yeah. not something I would have equated with Genesis. No, uh, and and it's just a simple reality, but it just shows one. Genesis is very uh, real. It shows us real people. Um, because we have these people in our lives and, and obviously this important person in their life because she was a nurse um, and she grieved, she died and therefore there was grief. And um, and then the name of that place means Oak of Weeping. Like yes. Elan yes. Bakuth means Oak of Weeping. So there, it, just, it just shows us that, you know, it's okay to cry kind of mentality. It's, 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 they're, they're real people grieving in the ways that you and I will grieve. So. And, uh, and you know what's interesting? Yeah, I love it. it. It doesn't even mention Rebecca's death. Isn't that strange? Because you think Rebecca would be the one that we'd mention her death. But no, it's Deborah. It's her nurse that gets mentioned. And again, I, I just think that's so comforting. So if there's anyone out there that thinks, well, I'm really not, I'm not all that important in church. And, I, you know, I haven't had anything really big, exciting that's happened in my life. And I don't know that I can list all the great things. No, no. As long as you just loved and cared for the people around you, you are so precious to God. That's that's all mm -hmm. that matters. And, and he will indeed remember you, even as he knows the very number of hairs on your head. Uh, and I suppose before we leave this, we do need to point out the place is called El Bethel, literally God's house of God, <laughs> mm -hmm. which which may refer to the fact that this is the second time, you know, that that uh, he's come to Bethel, the second time that God has appeared to him, uh, or maybe also an affirmation of his faith that even though he didn't get back to Bethel uh, through the work of God, he is returning back to the house of God. Yeah. So we need to take our break. We are studying Genesis chapter 35 with Pastor Don Lekomsky, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. 
to learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Genesis 35 with Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO. Now, we ended in verse 8, and like I said, it is interesting. They got Deborah included here. You got very much so a, well, a reality of they're they're listening to the Lord, but they're grieving their way through it. Yes, yes. And so it, 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 like I said, very real, very important for us to continue to learn that, well, it's going to be in God's time and we have to grieve our way through really every single day. Last thoughts, Pastor, before we move on? Well, I just affirming that again, I, I think that was so important that you pointed out that they called the name of the place Alan Bakuth, which is the Oak of Weeping. Uh, see, because I think there is a teaching out there that that if you're a Christian, you don't weep because you know everything's going to work for your good and you're all going to go to heaven. And that's absolutely baloney. Uh, mm-hmm. Throughout the Bible, people weep. In fact, they just wrote a chapter for a book about the resurrection and weeping. And the first thing I said is the resurrection does not eliminate weeping. Didn't even do Mm. it for Jesus. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead and he still wept. (laughs) Okay. So nothing wrong. So thank you for emphasizing that Brady, that sorrow is part of being a Christian. Uh, And the other thing I do as we were taking the break, it occurred to me, what a wonderful name for the church. It's God's house of God. See, it's not our house of God. It's not John's mm-hmm. house of God. It's not Brady's house of God. I think we tend to think of the church that way sometimes, but no, uh, what Jacob understands and what we should understand, no, this is God's house of God, and God's going to do his thing in his house. We're not going to do our thing. He's going to do his service for us. Yeah. Anyway, I love it. I love it. I'm ready yeah. to go on from there. But uh, Verse 9. You want to go through 15? Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right. God appeared to Jacob again and when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be Jacob, but Israel should be your name. So he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful, multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your offspring after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone. He poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. So Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. God visits again. I mean, obviously it was needed. So what happens? Well, and, 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 and you know, it, it's kind of a combination of the things that have happened in the past because, yeah, we, we had the vision of the angels ascending and descending, the promise about having the many children and from all nations being blessed by his children. So we're back at Bethel where that happened. But we've also got the other thing that happened, remember, before Esau, where he wrestled with God. And he said, well, we're going to change your name now. You're not going to be Jacob. You're going to be Israel. And so that's mentioned yet a second time. So it's kind of like God saying, Remember all the things I said to you in the past. I just want you to know that nothing's changed. It's all the same. And and what a great comfort for us, because when we're baptized, God makes all kinds of wonderful promises to us. Uh, In fact, ah, I'm going to throw that out right now. I was going to talk to you about that earlier. 
what do you think about this change in the name? Because there's a lot of religions that do that. You remember Cassius Clay? Mm. He became Muhammad Ali, and that's a really impressive sounding Muhammad Ali. Uh, but we don't do that as Christians. Do, do you think we should? Should we be changing names too? Well, I'll, I'll say this, that here, this is clearly not a mandate to change names. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's a descriptive story. Uh, changing names, I, that's clearly not a mandate. It might help, I suppose, in some ways, you know, that uh, you get baptized or you confirmed your faith, whatever it might be, you change your name. I suppose often traditionally, you know, women will change their last names because they're now oh, there, in a new there you go. reality. Yeah, 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 I mean, there's yeah. There, there's ways that we do do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, had, I, don't know, I, I hadn't thought about the marriage thing, but yeah, so we, but that is part of our cultural too. And like you say, it is a case there's a different situation. Things, things have changed now. Uh, um, but yeah, my first thought was just what you said. What do we got? We got Abraham and, and his wife and we got Jacob, but nobody else gets their name changed. So obviously it's not something that you'd, you'd have to do. Uh, um, and, and I also was thinking for most of us, actually, we, we, we got our name changed from the beginning because, you know, usually part of our baptismal rite is we also we say the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost because that's commanded. <laughs> you know, that's what God told right. us to do. And it is, again, it's God's house of God, <laughs> not our house of God. Right. <laughs> so we should right. probably baptize the way he told us to. But we also usually say the name of the child. Uh, in fact, we say, how is this child named? So, so maybe we kind of start out as Christians with a new name. So we don't really need another name. I don't know. It just came up to me and I thought I'd throw it out to you. Uh, but certainly this name change is significant, not only for Jacob, but for everybody. And maybe that's mm. the key thing. If you're going to have a name yeah. change, maybe it shouldn't just be for you. It should be for a whole bunch of people because he's no longer going to be the supplanter, the deceiver. That's kind of the stuff wrapped up in the name Jacob. And, and we know from past stories what kind of guy he is. But now he's Israel, which is the guy who has uh, striven with God. And yet he's still around to talk about it. Saw God. And didn't get destroyed and wiped out. Uh, and of course, all of this is pointing ahead to Jesus Christ. Uh, there, there's a new name for you, Jesus Christ. That name wasn't around before, but that's the name by which all men will be saved. So, so mm -hmm. names are cool. Mm -hmm. Names are important. And this is just a reminder that from this Israel is going to come a greater Israel, who is Jesus Christ. Um, well, I, I, I think the really neat thing about these verses, of course, is God did everything he said he was going to do. And that's what we need to remember, too. God made promises to us when we were baptized. Uh, and, and everything he said is going to happen. Uh, but there'll be all kinds of things that will happen in between, uh, including some weeping, as you, you pointed out yeah, earlier, yeah. too. Yeah. It, it is interesting because, you know, he changes his name in chapter 32. Yeah. So you're like, hmm, that's interesting. Of course, I mean, how often do we need to be reminded about our name, you know, especially like as the baptized would be our kind of language we use or as a child of God. We need that reminder of that. It is interesting. I just saw a footnote that mentioned how Luther referenced this, that that he changes his name because this is his chief name. This is the name of the promise. Yeah. Which brings us back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and everybody that that it was always about the promise. It was through Isaac that the promise came, through Jacob that the promise came, through uh, Judah that the promise came. And so this is not just a oh we're going to change your name just because, but but the, the 
full of promises that this would be a people, not just your name, but this would be a whole people for the sake of the kingdom of God. So I, I thought that was a very good indication for us as we can quibble and try to figure out what this means for our names. But it is interesting because we are part of that same Israel, the Israelites in faith of our Lord Jesus. Thoughts? Yeah, and I really like, I, I, I really do. I really like that thought. because, And maybe that's the significance here. If you want to change your name, change your name. Frankly, I don't care. Like you said, there, there's no command to do this. And it's certainly not done in every instance. But, but I do like the, the emphasis that this name change is going on because there's bigger things happening. And there's always been bigger things happening. It was never just about Abraham having a bunch of children, but the promise was clear through your offspring. And again, it's in the singular in the Hebrew, which is always striking, not through your offsprings, but through this one child of yours, Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. Same thing being said here to Jacob again, uh, through your child, this one all the nations will be blessed. And you're right. It, it it all points to Jesus. This is all going to be culminated. And in fact, you go to the New Testament and all these people are going to be mentioned again as the uh, uh, his uh, descendants, uh, the ones that were leading up to, to Christ. And, and in fact, isn't it cool? He goes all the way back to the beginning of Genesis where God made the mm. commandment to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And God said, none of that's changed. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply, he says in verse 11, because again, a nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. And of course, that's all pointing ahead, not just to the nation of Israel, but to us who are the true Israel, those who believe in Jesus Christ. And there it is once again in verse 14. And Jacob set up a pillar in that place we had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, to drink offering, all of that. And he named the place Bethel, like you said, house of God. Just a, just a reminder that continuously in Genesis, that when they are going through prominent moments, they, built an, they build an altar. And it's very clear that it's not an altar for the sake of saying, okay, we built it, now we're good. But it was a place to praise the name of the Lord. I mean, this is why we have our churches set apart. Do we need to build the church to be a church? Absolutely not. But the goal is that you know that that place is set aside for the sake of praising our Lord and receiving his gifts. Same thing here. In faith, they do this. Um, make the offering and call that place. This is a house of the Lord, meaning God is truly present there. Your thoughts on that? I thought that, that it just, I love seeing that over and over again throughout the book of Genesis. And, and isn't it really important to note they don't put up the stone because they're going to somehow influence God and make him do things for them. See, that's what you do with an idol. You set up an idol because you're going to use that idol and manipulate God to get him to do the things you want him to do. Um, but that's why you bury the idols, because we don't need to get God to do the things we want him to do for us. That's not why we pray even, because we know God's going to do what's good for us. And we worship God because we know that's the kind of God he is. And that's what he did at the beginning. And that's what he does now. He pours out the drink offering. He pours oil on it. He sets up the pillar because God has spoken and God has told him what he was going to do. And now he looks back and reflects on the fact that, yeah, God did everything he told me back there the first time I was at Bethel. And you know what? I didn't really trust him then. <laughs> 
<laughs> I said, you know, if you do these things, maybe I'll come back. Uh, and even when he did those things, I wasn't necessarily focused on him the way I should be. But all right, I'm back here. I'm worshiping God, not because this is going to get God to do something for me, but because in faith, I understand he has already done stuff for me. Uh, and the things he's done for me remain true, even when there is death, which, of course, is where we're going to head next. The sadness is not going to come to an end, even though he built an altar and worshiped mm. God, is it? No. And, and the same is true for us, yeah. that, that th those promises are true for the future, but yet doesn't mean that our current is grief-free, as we might say. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to read the rest okay. of our time unless you want to split it up. No, no, that's fine. I, I okay. can take All right. it. So once again, whenever we read something like this, kind of a list of names, it, it always reminds me of two things. The first thing is that each name matters to the Lord, you know, and he's the one that renames us in Christ and renames us in baptism. And, but every name matters. He remembers you in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, he remembers the hairs on your head, as Pastor mentioned prior to this. And so it's, it's good for us to always look at this. These are real people, real people struggling with faith, but, but more or less real people that were made in the image of God. And so it's good for us to remember as we read these, because we can kind of get a little bit like, oh, this is boring. But you know what? Each person's not boring. You know, each person is a child of God. So let's hear the word. Say, say, say Brady, I lied. I lied. Please, please lied forgive again. me. Yeah, I did. Oh, right. Could we could we stop at verse 20? Could we stop at verse 20 and then go ahead and do the rest of it? Sure. Okay. All right, we got it. Let's yeah. do it. Then they journeyed from Bethel when they were still some distance from Ephra. Rachel went into labor and she had, she, and she had large labor. Then her labor was at its hardest. The midwife said to her, do not fear for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Oni, and his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over his tomb, there her tomb. It was a pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. I, I just wanted to do those verse separate because I, I forgot about the impact of this, Brady. We, we've just gone before God, we've worshipped, we've made our sacrifices, we've prayed him as the God who has taken care of us and done all good things for us. And, and, and we turn around, and the most precious thing in my life, the most precious thing in my life, which for Jacob was his wife, Rachel, and, and now she dies. Hmm. Wow. I just praised you, God, because you take care of me and you took away the most precious thing I have in my life. And of course, the death of Rachel is filled with all kinds of irony, because you may remember when when she wasn't able to have a child, she she says she says to Jacob, "Give me children, or I shall die." All right. Hmm. So she said, "I want to have a child, even or I'm going to die." And so here, the irony is, she has a child, and she does die. Um, and, and, and she prayed, she prayed that she would have a child. And she prayed after she had Joseph that she'd have another child. May the Lord add to me another son, she prayed in Genesis 30. And, and, and it occurred to me, see, maybe God doesn't answer your prayers because you don't know. You don't know what will happen if your prayer gets answered. Mm -hmm. You want another child? I know you want another child, Rachel, but you don't understand where the coming of that child will mean the end of your life. Um, so I, it's just, it's such, but it, cause there are people right now that are listening to us, Brady, and they hear us talking about how good God is. 
And they may have trouble believing that because they've lost someone that they've loved. And they're they're in the weeping and the sorrow that we talked about earlier, that that was okay to do. Yeah. Uh, but 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 they're not hearing our words. They, they can't hear our words of encouragement at this time. But that's okay. That's all right, because God is not going to abandon them. He's not going to leave them in their sorrow. I just love that passage again I alluded to earlier, where Jesus comes and sees Mary and Martha weeping, and he knows he's going to resurrect Lazarus, but before he resurrects them, he weeps right along with them. And that's all I'm asking the people out there that are weeping to just realize that I, I can't make you happy to tell you that there will be a resurrection. I know that doesn't end your sadness, but I can tell you that God understands and God's weeping right along with you. He knows about that. He understands that and he will not leave you in your sorrow. So I, I just wanted to make a special comment about that. And of course, because it's all kinds of Jesus stuff, isn't it? Bethlehem Ephrath. Where did that come from? Bethlehem Ephrath. All right. Well, there it is. Here's where it comes from. Uh, it's very appropriate, isn't it, that Rachel dies and is buried on the way to Bethlehem because that's mm. where another child will be born, just like the child she just gave birth to. Only this child will be the savior of Rachel and Jacob and Brady and John and everyone who's listening to us. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I just wanted to share those thoughts. Like you said, the Jesus is the Jesus moments are everywhere, and and it's something where there's that fulfillment promise. Yeah. You know, where there was death and there would be life, um, and 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 it's really it's just a reminder that we're able to see what they call Jesus fingerprints all over the place. Yeah. I think is, is yeah. a good a good way that I've heard it said as well. So uh, this is real. This is real life. Uh, the the Bible is not a bunch of stories that kind of make you feel good. They're real life realities, and that's where we're seeing here today. Pastor, um, I'm just going to ask you, where do you want to keep no, going? Now you I'm can, now you can do it to the end. Now you can do it at the end. All right, yep, here yep. we go. Verse 21. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eider. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's servant, Dan, and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpah, Leah's servant, Gad, and Asher. And the sons of Jacob, who were born to him in Pradam Haram. All, all, and Jacob's, and Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, or Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last, and he died, and was gathered to his people, old and full of days. And the sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Well, Pastor, what do you have as we as we kind of see the end of an era? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. throughout all this, so it's a uh, a little bit of grief goes into this too before you get to the next few chapters. And and you know, Brady, what you said earlier, and, and we really need to emphasize that. And that's why I love the Bible stories because they are so real. That this is how we would write a story. Uh, we've been going to a <laughs> lot of true. movies. Have you been seeing any movies this this summer, Brady? Uh yeah, what did I see? Oh my goodness, I saw something. Oh, uh, I can't the Tom remember. One? It wasn't that memorable. Did you see the? Tom? I did not see the Maverick. Okay, no, I did yeah. not see well, Maverick. So we, yeah, they had like the that? Maverick, and we just saw the uh, Thor movie, whatever that 
called. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And, and in all those movies, of course, at the end, they have a happy ending. In fact, if you if you saw the the the, the Tom Cruise, the Maverick, it's kind of like, wow, <laughs> talk about so many close calls. And yet in the end, everyone's safe and everyone's fine, you know. But of course, mm. see, that's not the real world. I, that's why we go to movies, because we like to see things have a happy ending. But in the real world, they seldom do. And, and, and this is, he, he loses his, his, the wife he really, really loves. He really, really loves life. It, it, Rachel dies. And then what's the next thing? One of his sons sleeps with his concubine. Well, thanks yeah. a lot, Ruben. That's so nice. Uh, like, I'm grieving, yeah. and now, now you've got doing this to me. And then, of course, the thing ends with his dad. His dad now breathes his last, and he died, and was gathered to his people. But see, this is real life. This is how the world works. And yet in all of this, Jacob's still God's beloved children. And of course, Jacob, even even though it doesn't stop the sorrow, Jacob understands he's going to see Rachel again, right? Because God's not the God of the dead, but he's the God of the living. So yeah, all of these people, in fact, Isaac is mentioned by name when, when that statement is made. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. So don't think about Isaac breathing his last and dying, but think about the Isaac who's been taken up to heaven with all of his loved ones and think about the resurrection that will come and the, the new heaven and the new earth. Um, but anyway, I, I just that's why I love this text because there's been a total change in Jacob. Jacob's finally grown up and matured and he's now beginning to live in faith, but that didn't make it easier. In fact, maybe mm. it makes it harder uh, as we start to live our lives in faith. But I do want to point out, isn't that last sentence wonderful? And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Because mm. wasn't that the original desire? He said, I just want to be back in my father's house in peace. Shalom. That's the word he would have used. And uh, it's a sad way this came about through the death of their father Isaac. But I think that's that's good that Esau and Jacob were both there to bury their father. And uh, I hope and pray wherever there are divisions, and maybe it will take a death of a loved one or something, but I, I pray for all of us we can have that at the end. There can be, But see, we might not get that either. Uh, one final thought about this, Brady, because it just occurred to me. We'd like to think that before people die, we can get all our relationships settled with them, and everything can be happy, and we can be at peace with them. But I can tell you from my personal experience, that doesn't always happen, okay? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people die before we can be at peace with them. But it doesn't mean we, we won't be at peace with them in heaven, see? It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that. Uh, well, anyway, some ramblings from my brain. Verse 22, when it speaks about Israel lived in the land and Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his yeah. father's concubine. Well, poor Bilhah is not not portrayed real well, not, <laughs> not given... A lot of great moments uh, through this. However, um, it's interesting that you brought up just that reality of, so here's Israel, here's Jacob grieving, and then he hears of this, (laughs) that, that, uh, you know, just beat me when I'm down kind of mentality. And it, it, it leaves us a little bit with that discomfort because you think about our own lives, how often we kind of receive those that news that just hits us it just hits us real hard you know you lost my wife my 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 son is is doing this with the concubines this is just you know i can't quite seem to fix this maybe that's the point is that 
he couldn't just fix it because this is real world, real life stuff. And, and uh, I love, I, I do enjoy how, like you're saying that, that there's that line and Israel heard of it and then boom, they continue on yeah. showing that this, this is all of us. It's like as a, as a pastor, but even as a father, if we tried to stand before the people and say, Hey, guess what? I haven't figured out. Then it's just, it's not true. This is not true. And, and that's where, what I love about everything in, in the scriptures is that there isn't ever a moment where the patriarchs and matriarchs say, all right, I haven't finally figured out. I figured it all out. I'm good. I'm good now. Well, of course they do say when the Lord says in Exodus, you know, do this. And they say, whatever the Lord has said, we will do. It's like, okay, maybe they were a little bit overconfident in that one. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it is, it's just that uh, it's so real because how many times have we gone through that where all of a sudden we get this news when we're already down and it just kind of puts us in a, we call it a spiral where things just seem to get worse and worse. Your thoughts? So I, 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 I read devotional materials sometimes and, and, and they tell stories of where everything works out just perfect. You know, mm -hmm. they just trusted in the Lord and everything just worked out fine. And I thought, well, I'm glad for you, but it don't help me at all. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. that's not been my pattern of life. Uh, but but that's the beauty of faith. That, 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 like you said, uh, the word of God comes again and it comes again and again to Jacob. And just says, Jacob, everything I said to you will be true. You won't see it here. That's absolutely right. For the most part, the greatest blessings that God will give us remain hidden in this lifetime. But just because they're hidden doesn't mean they're not going to be a fact. And, and they will. They will. Uh, and, and what I really treasure about our Lutheran faith is that even when we're doubting that, it doesn't change God. It doesn't change his love. It doesn't change his mercy. It doesn't change his forgiveness. I'm not saying doubt is a good thing. Anyone who's doubted will tell you it's not a good thing. But, mm -hmm. but I think it's mm -hmm. a wonderful thing to know that it doesn't change the Lord. Think of everything that Jacob went through. Did the Lord ever turn his back on Jacob? Did he ever not come again and again with his word of comfort? No, he was always there for him. And he's right now for everybody who's listening to us. He's with you right now this moment telling you the same things. Weep. If you must weep, there's nothing wrong with that. But in the end, in the end, all these people you love and care for, nope. You, what, what did he say? What did Jesus say? Whatever you lose in this world, you get back a hundredfold in the life hereafter. Mm -hmm. And that's true. That's a promise. And nothing in this world is going to change that or take that away from us. As we look at this whole chapter, uh, the God blesses, intervenes into Jacob once again. We see the death of Isaac. Pastor, we have about a, under a minute left in our time. How would you summarize this chapter and encourage our listeners in Christ? Well, just 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 what you said. Uh, uh, Jacob was not really focusing on what he needed to focus. He still had his idols, and yet God doesn't abandon him. But God does keep bringing him back to his word, doesn't he? He just keeps talking to him and says, let's not forget Bethel. And he directs him back to the God's house of God. And that's what he would do to all of our listeners right now. Just bring you back to the word, whatever's going on in your life. Just take the time to listen to what God says in his word. Go back to God's house of God. Uh, and there the Lord will speak to you again of his forgiveness and his mercy and his eternal life. Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics here on KFUO, giving us God's strong word from Genesis chapter 35. Pastor Lekomsky, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Thank you, Brady. It's always a blessing to be with you. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor, excuse me, district president of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. 
Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.